You're listening to Dave and Dia, a podcast about basketball, life, and the Portland Trailblazers. Please keep all hands and arms inside the window and welcome your hosts, Dave Decker and Dia Miller. Well, hello, Portland Trailblazer fans. If there are any of you still left, I'm Dave Deckard here at the Dave and Dia podcast with the wonderful, the amazing, the still hopeful, we hope, Dia Miller. <laughs> Dia, oh my gosh, Yusuf Nurkic, since we have talked last, I mean, Yusuf Nurkic, uh, eight weeks, might be six, we'll see, those are only until he's reevaluated. doesn't mean he's going to be back then, and then the next cruelest blow, CJ McCollum, I sprained my foot, no, it's fractured at least a month off the blazers stars are falling like flies will bubble wrap damian lillard and make sure that he has an escort so that he doesn't have to actually incur any danger at all because if he goes down there's nothing left how are you feeling right now at this moment you know right now i feel okay i'm gonna be honest and say that last night when the news broke that CJ's injury was actually a fracture and not just a sprain, I may have curled up in a ball on my bed and cried a little bit. I say that kind of jokingly, but in all seriousness, I had this moment of like kind of agony (laughs) of how am I supposed to be optimistic about this season when this is happening? And just this frustration of, you know, We've been so looking forward to what this team was going to look like this year. And then it feels like it's all just kind of crumbled in front of our eyes in the last week. And I think especially after the start we had and then having all this stuff happen, it's a little harder than normal to be optimistic in the moments that these things are coming down. What about you? Where are you at with all this? Uh... As the French say, ce n'est pas bon, or as we'd say on The Good Place, the Blazers are forked. I mean, it is (laughs) really difficult to imagine a scenario now in which this gels together and becomes a contending run. And look, that was the expectation this year. As we talked about early on, one-year salaries or a lot of salaries expire. You realize Nurkic, two years left of guaranteed salary this year and next year. That's it. Nurk. That's Nurk. Okay. And he's one of the cornerstones, let alone everybody else on the team. Uh, They had to do it this year. It looks like that's going to be really, really hard at this point. We've been through this a little bit before, more dramatically and with more serious injuries with Brandon Roy and Greg Oden and that era. And this is starting to feel like an era changing time. And it's not because the single injuries are so severe and you can come back and tell me it's only going to be a few weeks and you're correct about that. But the timing and the salaries and everything that when they have this swing and they miss it and who knows what next year is going to look like and they're getting older and it just has that same sinking feeling that you hope that Roy and Odin would get there. And then you had that moment when you realized whatever's going to happen, that's probably not in the cards. This might be that moment for Portland. I go back and forth a lot over the, I shouldn't say a lot in general, but over the last few days, I've gone back and forth a lot 
I've talked on here before about how much I love Blazers Twitter and I love hearing what people have to say and I love the interaction. I love the back and forth. I love the conversation. I love the points that get made that I haven't thought about before. And, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of conversations happen. I've had some of my own. And it's just such a roller coaster of dramatic emotions. It's like when we're up, we're up, and when we're down, we're down, and there just is no in-between. But I have to be honest and say right now I'm kind of on the in-between. I am still very hopeful. I think that this is something that is just innately a part of who I am as a fan. I think that until our dying day, I will think that we stand a chance. And we aren't there yet. We haven't died. We're not out. I mean, it's we're we're sitting pretty at I think we're are we number five right now? Is that correct? it's all bunched together? Everybody's within yeah. two wins of number two and two losses of number thirteen or something like right. that. So it's but all, we're in there. We're right. in that running, and mm-hmm. and we've seen some really good stuff. It's really easy to see Nurk go down, and to have flashbacks to Nurk going down before, and how difficult that was on us. And then on top of that, to see CJ go down and then get news that it's going to be longer and worse than we thought. Like, it's really easy to go down to the depths of despair. I get it. I really, really do. But the fact of the matter is, and you know me well because you called that I was going to say this, but these are not season-ending injuries. These are injuries that are going to take them out for, you know, six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks, we'll be back in. They'll be back in, we hope, uh, assuming that all goes well and all goes according to plan. And that's not the end of the season. If the rest of our guys can hold it, hold down the fort, they don't even have to be great. If they can hold down the fort and keep Dame from just wearing himself out, we can still make the playoffs. And I think even not as the eighth seed, I think we can even make it as a higher seed than that. But the fact of the matter is we got to get to the playoffs. Making it to the playoffs is crucial this year is very crucial. Once we get there, the playoffs are the playoffs. And I know that being the eighth seed going into the playoffs is a tough spot to be because right away you're taking on the, the number one ranked team. But the fact of the matter is to win the Western Conference Finals, to win the championship, you're going to have to beat the good teams, whether that's when you first go in or at the end when you've already played three other teams. You're going to have to beat the good teams. So to me, I'm kind of sitting in this place of optimism of we have depth, we have talent, we've talked about this. We've talked about the fact that this year, more than than in recent history, We've got depth and we've got talent. and We've got guys that can hold down the fort. We aren't starting Anthony Tolliver at center, which I keep going back to from last year. I think that truly we can hold on to this and we can get into the playoffs. And once we get into the playoffs, we're in the playoffs. And, and that's where it matters. This stuff, as we've talked about before, a win is a win. Getting there is the important thing. And not only that, but only five of the next 17 games are against winning records, if I'm quoting that correctly. So the next 17 games, that's a few weeks. That gives us some time to hold down the fort, get through it. They don't have to be pretty wins. They don't have to be 50-point wins or even five-point wins. Win by one. That's fine. That'll work. A win is a win. So I am holding on to 
optimism at this point. I don't think it's over. I don't think it's time to tank. I don't think it's time to freak out. I think we just have to go in and be steady and just have confidence in the team that we have. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, what you've said is brilliant. It's correct. San Antonio might call with their 20-point win against us. Uh, (laughs) Talk about (laughs) subpar teams. But, okay, I'm going to dare to use a metaphor I probably shouldn't use. You and I are married to this team. Okay. We're not going anywhere. No matter what happens, right. we're in this relationship. Agreed. I mean, it's, yep. it's the way it is. Yeah. Okay. Here's some words of wisdom. Abuse aside, let's take out abuse and just terrible, terrible stuff. When you know you're going to be married to someone and that's going to stick. When something isn't meeting your expectations, if you don't want to be miserable, you modify your expectations. Because that's what you have control over. You don't have control over the other person. We don't have control over injuries. The, we don't have control over the Blazers, really. They do what they do. That said, the agony in this is coming specifically from the expectation that this will be the year that they contend for a championship. As soon as that becomes evident that it's not likely, you modify your expectations. You start looking for other things. This is something we talked about in our written piece yesterday. There are still other things to look for that can make us happy with this team. Gary Trent Jr., Derek Jones Jr., just basically all the juniors, thirds. Any juniors and thirds on the team are really, really good right now uh, to root for. Uh, Damian Lillard and the potential, I mean, one of the things that I thought of that surprised even me is if he's going to be MVP, this is it. This is it. This is right now. Nobody else yeah. on the team. He can score 60 and everybody will go, yay. Uh, if he ever dabbled with the thought of doing that, doors wide open right now. And you know what? Yep. All it takes is him scoring a reasonable amount of points and the Blazers winning. And he will be in that conversation hot and heavy. Yep. So for me, I'm I'm choosing to modify my expectations away from championship yet again and towards, okay, Let's see who grows. Let's see how many wins. Let's see how awesome Lillard is. And as you say, let's see what happens in the playoffs. I mean, I'm not modifying my expectations, if we're being honest. I still think we're, you know, I mean, that's not going to surprise anyone who's listened to me for five seconds. But I still think that this is doable. I still think it's within our reach. I think, again, especially we've. this is something that I've mentioned before, but more than ever, this year is unpredictable. All it takes is one person on one team getting COVID or being around someone with COVID at the wrong time. And that team goes down. Not that I'm wish I am absolutely not wishing that on anyone, but it's not out of the question. And so I, I say that to say that this is so unpredictable. I mean, we've seen teams that were expected to win that get blown out. We've seen it happen this season. And so, you know, in the regular season, you're not having a seven game series. You're playing one game against one team at a time. And anybody can win or lose that game. Every single time any team can win or lose that game, things happen. We've seen that happen. I mean, we've seen that hope happen over and over again, where we've been on both ends of that. That expectation for me is still there. It's going to be harder to get there than I originally thought. That being said, I agree. I've heard all kinds of talk all over Twitter, talking with fans about the fact that they want to see more Gary Trent Jr., They want to see more Harry Giles. Well, guess what, guys? Here we go. 
We're gonna get more Harry Harry Trent Jr. <laughs> get more. Wow, you you molded them together. <laughs> wow, you're building Transformer Blazers now. I like that. We're gonna get more Harry Trent Jr. We're gonna get more Harry Jones. We're gonna see more of them. And my hope is that in this time that we don't have CJ and that we don't have Nurk. Those guys are going to get more experience. They're going to get more minutes in actual NBA games, which is priceless. That is priceless. That's way better than a practice or a scrimmage or anything else is getting that experience. And then when CJ comes back and when Nurt comes back, and now these guys have had this experience and they've had to do this without them, maybe, just maybe, they will be stronger for it. Yeah, and you can plug your ears now because I will say also that part of what this does is if there are viable pieces on the team that aren't being seen and they are seen in the next month, that makes them more valuable on the trade market, which was always part of the potential for this season anyway, given the contract situation. So it's not necessarily a bad thing that way either. And, you know, the Blazers could make a midseason trade that makes everybody go, oh, CJ coming back, Nurt coming back, and this person. Now we're ready to roll. The problem is you have a short window to gel and all that stuff. But you know what? There's nothing you can do about it. The Blazers are playing among us. The injury bug is the dang imposter and uh, keeps knifing (laughs) them in the back as they're trying to just do their stupid tasks. It wasn't even... CJ wasn't doing anything wrong. He just got his foot stepped on. So uh, we just. Same with Nurk. Yeah. They were freak accidents. Yep. So we need to ride this out, spend a few weeks in, you know, probation, basically NBA probation, and come back and kick the imposter out the airlock and hope they are healthy for the rest of the year, either with some new personnel or improved personnel around the stars. And let's see what happens. Anytime something happens, everybody wants a scapegoat. Everybody wants to blame someone. And I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a lot. Well, you know, maybe it's the trainers. Maybe it's the, when, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. The fact of the matter is when you're playing a sport at any time, I mean, little kid, I got, I sprained my ankle badly when I was eight years old playing basketball, but especially at this high level of competition, they're going at it and they're in each other's space and there's nothing you can do about that. Nobody did anything intentionally. Nobody did anything wrong. You know, what happened to Nurk, that was a fluke. What happened to CJ, that was a fluke. This is no one's fault. This is just the luck of the draw or lack thereof. We just ended up with these freak incidents. Well, and people don't remember, Dia, that for years, the Blazers were pretty much the healthiest team in the Western Conference. And by the way, through 2015, 2016, when maybe they weren't actually as good as they looked, they were healthier than everybody and that made them look better because they won more games. Other teams were missing, particularly in the Western Conference. I remember, I forget what year it was, but it seemed like every single game the Blazers drew an opposing team without their biggest star. And the Blazers were just win, win, win. Um, Didn't work out in the playoffs that well, but health giveth and health taketh away. And honestly, there's not too much that you can do about that. Well, and and now we're in this position where, you know, it was interesting starting the beginning of the season because we talked even on here about how Dame just didn't seem to be, it's not that he wasn't himself. I mean, he was still playing fantastically, but fantastically, that's a word, right? Yeah. Take any word, put an L-Y on the end of it, and it's another word. (laughs) It sounded weird when it came out. Anyway, Dame played fantastically, 
it still sounds weird. Dane played great, but <laughs> I, it, like, I like fantastically better. <laughs> but awesomely, there was just, wonderfully. Yeah, there's all kinds of ways to describe he the way that Dane was playing. Yeah, there <laughs> he we go. Lillard esque. <laughs> <laughs> but but it still just seemed like something wasn't quite there. And I think we talked about the fact that, you know, he was kind of leaving room for other people to step up and to make some of those moves. And CJ essentially did. But now we're in a position where Dame thrives. And we can say what we will about how he shouldn't be playing 42 minutes a game. But he is in a situation right now that we know he can do well in. We know that Dane can can take this and run with it. And again, we are stacked more than we have been in the recent future. I said that last time too, in the recent history, in the recent past. Even with Nurk and CJ out, we have solid talent. We really do. And when you throw that around Dame, if they can all play to their abilities and if they can all play to their potential, we will be okay. Now the question is, can they play to their potential? Will they play to their potential? Will we see the defense from Derek Jones Jr.'s and from Covington that we kind of expect? Will we see the other guys step it up a little bit on defense? Will we see Gary Trent Jr. step in and really take on a bigger role that we all think he can and expect him to? Will we see Anthony Simons step up and, and become that backup point guard that we really expect and need him to be? Will we see Cantor play better defense and not just offense? <laughs> Dave's shaking his head. Dave, he was good. We're, the whole time through there, he so had it together. Far out on that limb. <laughs> Simons, it's like you hear their limb creak. And Cantor playing defense is a big old seven-footer out on a twig. That, I haven't even gotten to Mello yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mello will be Mello. Mello's bankable, but Mello's not going to be what Mello isn't. But my point is, and I keep using this as an example because I just remember being completely floored, but we're not playing Anthony Tolliver at center. We're not in that dire of a situation where we've got six guys and one of them is playing a position he has no business playing. Can we're we, not there. Can we make a t-shirt that says, uh-oh, Anthony Tolliver's playing center? <laughs> like <laughs> I, mean, was, I just I just remember thinking like and he, you know, for to his credit, he held it down. I remember that game and I remember thinking, okay. He came out and he did what he needed to do, given the circumstance. This is not at all a bag on Anthony Tolliver. But the fact of the matter is, center is a hard position to play if you are not a center. And so to have Anthony Tolliver come in and play that position was just so shocking. And we were down and out that badly. And we still managed to pull it together that season. This was last season, if you consider what we did pulling it together. But we'll just say. But my point with that is, we are not at that point. Even with CJ out, even with Nurk out, we are not at that point. We will, if we can play to our potential or even below our potential, just not too far below our potential, I truly believe that we can still have a good solid run at the playoffs and, and having a, a decent seat. Well, history's on your side because they usually do. And by the way, we now have a new euphemism for things have fallen apart. It's Tolliver's at center. So you can <laughs> all spread that around. But look, also, seriously, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is why you should listen to this podcast in addition to maybe in advance of almost any other. Because while everybody else is telling you why the Blazers are up the creek, and we said that at the beginning too, not disagreeing, but that's not the point. Whether you're an optimist 
like Dia is and eternally rainbows and unicorns, or <laughs> whether you're more of a realist and think they are forked, we've both just given you reasons why it's valuable to continue engaging with this and why there is hope of one sort or another. And I think that that's necessarily necessary in life, in sports and whatever. So thank you, Dia. Well done on that. I hope that things shade more towards your way. Look, the Blazers always do this, right? It's a rocky beginning of the season. There are injuries. There's Dame has a bad streak or whatever. And you just when you think they're done, they make a huge run. And all of a sudden, they look good for the playoffs before they bow out. So we'll hope that that sine wave continues in the same shape again and at least we'll have some fun through april we'll just have to see about may at this point yeah i i'm not losing hope i will say i am not as optimistic as i once was but that being said as rainbows and unicorns go mine are pretty fancy but every now and then <laughs> they dim a little i tend to be perpetually optimistic almost to a delusional state when it comes to the trailblazers. But I also can be realistic and I can look at this realistically. And the fact of the matter is, I think this is realistic. I don't think it's just optimistic. I, I love it. And here's another fun life lesson. Truth is never found at a single point. It's found in the space in between us. And one of the advantages is to hearing an opinion like that is that it creates space in between us through which we can view the truth, examine the truth and see where it's bouncing around in there, as opposed to everybody being so dang sure that this is the only story. And it leaves you at a single point at which there's no wiggle room and no diversity of thought at all, which means also in the end, there's very little room for the truth. And even if that turns out exactly right this time, that's usually a matter of luck rather than than a pattern or predictable learned opinion, more power to you and us. I think actually we've created reasonable space in between us where truth can bounce around. I don't think it's too far south of me. I don't think it's too far north of you. So well done on this topic. And maybe we can put the injury thing to bed until next week when the Blazers are, you know, one and seven and, uh, <laughs> and we have to deal with it again. I mean, I, I mean, seven and one, seven and one. I meant, uh, sorry, I reversed those. It was European. <laughs> it was European. You know how they put in a comma in the between and put the date backwards. That's what I meant. I mean, I just want to know where we can petition to have their uniforms turn into bubble wrap. Because at this point, like we're, <laughs> we just, we don't want anyone else getting hurt. Oh, we just God, don't. Derek Jones Jr. comes down after a dunk and you go, yes, yes, dunk, yes, no, <laughs> just don't yeah. land. <laughs> every, every single time one of these guys hits the floor, if they do not immediately bounce back up, I am off my chair and glued to that TV, just waiting for any sign of life. <laughs> okay, so Jones Jr. has to wear a harness. And after he dunks, a grip or somebody just hooks the, the carabiner into the back of that thing and lowers him gently to the floor. Yes, seriously. It's a beautiful thing to watch him fly through the air. But it's a terrifying thing when he's coming back down off the other side. You know what else has been beautiful, though? His defense. He's been looking better. Fourth <laughs> quarter. Yeah, it's fun. I'm going to be honest here because, you know, I'm such a liar normally. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I really, really love watching people play defense. Probably even more than offense. I love a good dunk. I love a good three-point shot. 
I love a good, you know, Euro step to the hoop. I love it all. I love it. But give me all the defense. I want to watch him steal the ball and run down the court and score an easy layup. I want to watch that. Well, you know what? Let, let me stop you there because we can go on a tangent here. I feel the same way, and I was trying to identify why. And to me, it's because defense is where there is still some complexity left. Now, I, I don't mean to impugn basketball coaches, especially not NBA coaches. I know they run all kinds of scheme. I know there are complexities to it. I know it because there are people with videos breaking this down to the nth degree until it's no fun anymore for anyone to watch. <laughs> that said, look, what do a lot of NBA possessions break down to anymore? A, pick and roll, right? B, ISO play until you hit your spot, you know, space, you fake like a driving step back, shoot the jumper or C basically one and a half passes to an open three point shooter. All of those are graceful. All of those are wonderful, but it's just like listening to, I don't know, some kind of a bubblegum pop album where it's like, these songs are all good, but 12 of them in a row is a lot. Well, that's, that's the thing is offense is dependable. It's predictable. You can watch that offense happen and predict three steps forward. You can say, okay, now he's going to do this. Now he's going to do this. Now he's going to do this. And five times out of seven, you're, which is a weird number to choose, you're going to be right. You're going to be right five times out of seven. Every now and then they'll mix it up and they'll throw something in there you're not expecting. Go Star but Trek defense, and make it seven out of nine. Right. Seven of <laughs> <Yeah>. nine. <laughs> defense is unexpected and it's exciting. When, when that team, when the other team is going down the court and they, you know, they're setting up their offense and one of our guys just comes from nowhere and gets the ball and takes off down the court, even if all he does is the most simple of layups, it is so exciting to watch because it's unexpected and, and because it's shifting the possession and if you're going point for point point for point it can shift who's ahead that quickly and it's just so it's so exciting to me i like watching them grapple for the ball on the floor i like watching them try to just be aggressive and and go after it i like watching our guys watching the ball if you ever just watch when we're on defense and they're watching that ball and they're watching for any second they can take advantage of the other guy not paying attention or just getting his step or whatever and get that ball and go. There is something beautiful about that. And that is what I love. I just, I love, I love seeing that defense. And I know that our current trailblazers are not necessarily the team to cheer for if you love defense, but we're getting there. We're getting there. We're seeing flashes of promise. Yeah, I love it. I'm going to get back to Jones Jr. for a second, but let's circle back to this tangent because I just had a thought as you were, were talking that you inspired. I, I wondered why the offenses aren't more complex, why they're so predictable. And then I thought, maybe it's because everything works. Because it is so hard to defend one-on-one -on -one now because of the rules that basically there are only two or three permutations that you honestly need in order to get a good shot. And 
I am the last. I hated ISO ball. Those old Houston Rockets with uh, Pippen and Elijah Wan and Barkley. I mean, barf. And you and I obviously famously have opinions on James Harden, who is safely in Brooklyn now. Yay. But And happy. And happy. happy. He's happy, everybody. So happy in Brooklyn. I'm happy for him that he's in Brooklyn and not Portland. Still wouldn't want him even with CJ Andrews. Sorry. Okay. There goes. (laughs) Boom. There goes uh, sub tweets about us again. That's it. I'm not in favor of going back to the ISO one on everybody thing. But maybe a little bit of hand checking and a fewer ticky tack fouls so that it is possible for one defender to guard one dribbler sometimes so that you don't have to give so much help so that it's not so easy just to pass for an open shooter all the time. I would like to see that happen, I think. I, yeah. I think you need to make it easier on the defense to accent some of the stuff exactly that you were talking about. And yeah, it was exciting at first to see a lot of 120 to 115 games. But at some point, even with all that scoring, it's taken on, it's like soccer. Okay, I'm, God bless Timbers and everybody, football, yay! But there's a reason why... <laughs> I, I'm sorry, you're going to hate me. There's a reason why I don't watch soccer as passionately as I watch basketball. I can't. I can't. It is. It I is super it. predictable. And I love all of you. Timbers Army, right down my throat. I hear it coming with spears and pitchforks. But you don't want basketball. Soccer is soccer. That's great. You don't want basketball right. to resemble that level of predictability right. in the playmaking. And it, it almost kind of has, even with all the scoring. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's time within the next couple of years to alter the rules again. That said, Derek Jones Jr. in the fourth quarter of the last couple of games has been brilliant. Getting his hands in passing lanes, poking away turnovers, disruptive defense, what we've been waiting for. And it's not just flashy, folks. I know you're thinking, derp, derp, it's a turnover, so it looks good. Yes, but that turnover means something because, A, right. that's been completely absent from, from the Blazers' portfolio for yep. half of a decade. No intimidation at all. No fear in the opponent. They literally could do whatever they wanted for 24 seconds, just find the good shot. Yep. And B, creating some offense, creating some running. And, and uh, it's fantastic to see that finally. If the Blazers can get a little more solid in the middle, they could really go to town with that kind of aggressive defense. Because Covington, as we said, will play it too. And Oh, just we need that middle lane patroller who's also mobile and can get out to the three-point arc and this team will look dare I say good on defense yeah yeah Yeah. if we could step up in our defense if we continue to play the way that we are currently playing but stepped up our defense we would be so much better and I I keep hoping that defense is contagious (laughs) just keep hoping that all it's going to take is one guy really stepping in and picking up that defense and everyone else is going to go, Oh, that's how you do it. And pick it up too. Like I just keep hoping. And so maybe Derek Jones Jr. Is that guy. Maybe he's the guy that we need to just pick it up. And you know, we see flashes of that from Covington. We see flashes of that from Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. When, when he's on, he's on and, and he's getting turnovers and he's getting that ball and he's getting down the court. Gary Trent Jr., I feel like last year was the one we saw do that the most. I don't know statistics-wise if that's true, but it seems like it was. He has that in him. Uh, you know, Dame has that in him. We've seen that these guys have that in them, except maybe Cantor. But the rest of them, they, they seem to have it in them. 
Uh, and even Cantor, I mean, we've seen him do it too. And and his his blocking, he had five blocks in that game, and even he was shocked by that. You know, I I think that they the flashes are there. We've seen the ability. We've seen the potential. Now, if we could just see consistency, that would be great. If we could see him pick it up and do this game after game after game after game, we would be, even with CJ out, even with Nurk out, even with Collins out, I keep for, I, not forgetting about Collins, but I keep not mentioning him because I don't know if he's coming back this season. And I, that hasn't really been discussed. So I'm, I'm talking about CJ and Nurk specifically because we are pretty certain they will. But even with them out... If we could play that defense, we would be a force. Yeah, and look, if you have eyes on beating the Lakers, for instance, it's not going to happen. And I know everybody's saying it's not going to happen anyway. How can you talk about that with this record and these injuries? Okay, let's still dream. All right, just just hold on. The games aren't played yet. If you have any designs on beating the Lakers, it's not going to happen from a conservative defense. It's just not. LeBron and AD are going to pick that apart because they are better than you. The only way that that's going to happen is to kind of stop them a little bit, take the edge off of them, but play really aggressively everywhere else, including on your double teams on LeBron, by the way, and then recovering from them. The only way that's going to happen is kind of rattle them and blitz them. And if the Blazers can't do that, they have no hope of matching up with them man for man, even with the guards, not in over seven games. So I think this is something the Blazers really need to to emphasize and develop. Now, the question will come from people as well. Okay, is this a personnel issue? And it may be because actually, even though Damon CJ can kind of run, they are and always have been half court guards. That's where they score. That's how they excel. They walk it up the floor and they want to beat you with their skill. That's the way it goes. Fine. But one also has to ask, is this scheme? And this would be the one egregious error. I don't believe most of the Stott stuff. I just don't, you know, it's not his fault. That said, if the Blazers aren't able to get more aggressive, capitalize on their perimeter players, and they are not scheming to, not trying to, that I think is an egregious flaw with this lineup. You've got to go for it. And you've got to let some of these guys loose. Yeah, I actually am looking forward to seeing some different lineups. You know, we saw a few different lineups in this last game and it, it was kind of fun. It was kind of fun to watch some of these guys play together that we don't really get to see play together all that often. And I think we're going to be seeing again with the injuries that we've got, I think we're going to have to see more of that. I think that's going to be interesting. I don't even know who I want to see play together, to be honest. I just think I kind of have this like weird hope that we'll see different combinations than we've seen before or that we haven't seen a lot of because you never know what's going to work. Gary Trent at shooting guard. That's what I want to see. I will be honest about it. God bless Rodney Hood and he had a wonderful game um, against Atlanta, I think it was, or the Pacers, one of those. Nor is it the Spurs. I don't remember. I think it was the Spurs. Yeah, it was the Spurs. I'm sorry. They all blur together. You got to forgive me. Um, (laughs) That said... I think that that's just prepping for a trade myself, that he's not going to be with this team long term. And I think the Blazers would be well served if he played really well and then became a valuable or semi-valuable trade chip. He has the contract for it, $10 million. It's, it's a nice place to be. That said, 
whatever he does is going to pale in comparison, I think, to what Gary Trent Jr. can do on defense and also really shooting three-pointers. And it doesn't feel like Trent has gotten consistent minutes. We don't know if that's merited or not. Always say that. We don't know what's happening in practice. We don't see it. And we've said before that Gary needs to get out there and make the coaches play him. But if I were the coach, I would have a bias toward him because good defense, good three-point shooting – it's exactly what the Blazers need. And with CJ yep. out, let's try that kind of archetype next to Lillard and see how that works out. Yeah, I agree. I'd like to see that as well. And I think that Gary would, would do well in that position. I think putting Gary there, even starting Gary there, I'd like to see Gary start there and, and bring Hood off the bench. I think that would not be a bad thing. I think, you know, especially in this last game, one of the things that killed us was our bench. They, again, and we're back to that, you know, the 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 starters would get on the court and they would do well. And then, you know, or at least not too bad. And then the bench would come out and we'd end up with a a deficit again. And it's, I think if we can play around with those lineups, maybe we can find a sweet spot. And the fact is a lineup that works against one team won't necessarily work well against another one. So if, if stats can be flexible with that and kind of play to each each team and their weaknesses and fill that in accordingly. I think, you know, I think that could be really interesting to watch that take place. Yeah. And maybe less in who he starts and who he brings off the bench, but certainly minutes, but to see the hidden problem here or not so hidden is when the Blazers lost McCollum, they didn't just lose their starting shooting guard. They lost their backup point guard. And that bench unit is not going to work well without one. And Damian Lillard cannot play 48 minutes. Nor should he. Yeah. Now you're really relying on Anthony Simons. And Anthony Simons, God bless him, is not ready. It's screaming all over. And again, he's a professional player. He's a million times better at basketball than I could ever dream of being on my best day. It's not trying to insult. I'm just saying compared to other NBA players and what he's going up against out there on the court and the responsibility that he has as a point guard, he's just not quite there yet. Okay, but how much of that? This is a this is not me saying this. This is a, a legit question. How much of that has to do with the fact that he's really kind of number 3? You know, because we've got Dame, we've got CJ, and then we've got Ant, and he's not getting regular minutes. And like I said earlier, that that actually those actual playing NBA minutes are more valuable than any practice or any scrimmage or any playing against your own team that you can get. What's gonna happen if over the next, you know, four to six to eight, whatever weeks, Anthony Simons is getting regular minutes. Will we see improvement? What do you think? Well, I mean, it's a fair question, and we always want to leave the door open. But it's hard because, look, you can be reasonably expected if you're on page 142 of your algebra book that you can get to page 144 or even page 150. And yeah, you just got to get in there and do the reps on the next two lessons. That's legitimate. If you're on a page 144 of your algebra book and they say, here, now here's a book on differential calculus. It doesn't matter how long you read that book or how many lessons you do, you're going to get frustrated. You ain't going to get it. And Simons feels like, and I may be wrong about this, but it feels like he's a little bit in the latter situation when he gets in the game, even against second units, that he's got some 
basic skills. He's certainly got talent to burn, maybe. But it's all coming at him so fast that he's trying to do calculus and he's got algebra. He needs more algebra reps, I think. I disagree. I, I disagree. I think Ant can do it. And, and I, I think he's somebody that I've watched over the last few years. And, and I think he's got a lot of talent and a lot of potential. And I don't think he gets enough time. And I just don't think there's any substitute for those actual minutes. And so now where we are where we are, he's what we have. We don't have another backup point guard. We got Damian Lillard and we got Ant. And, and Dame can't play 48 minutes a game. He can't play 42 minutes a game. He can't be playing that much and keep it up over. We can't have him doing that and, and keeping that up over the next six to eight weeks while CJ's healing because then we're going to, once CJ comes back, we don't need an exhausted Dame. We need Dame to be able to maintain that level of play. So the alternative here is, did you want to say something? No, I'm just, I'm just talking? saying, look what, yeah, I was going to rudely interrupt you like normal podcasts do. But <laughs> look what Ant is up against, though. What can he do well? Ant can score. He's he's good, and he's got occasional brilliance. When he's in the flow and in the right situation, he looks really good. But what do the Blazers need from that position right now? First of all, set everybody else up because when you're out there, you got a Carmelo Anthony out there. You got maybe Rodney Hood or Gary Trent Jr. out there with you, right? You've got to be able to not just break down defenses, but break down defenses, read the floor, and make the right pass. That's not really happening. Uh, but defense. that comes from experience. Defense so much of that comes from experience. Defense can't really fall apart either, and Ant's defense is not great. Now, I, I don't disagree that it comes from experience, but again, experience under what circumstances and with under what the circumstances the that we have no other choice. We are at the place right now where we've got Damian Lillard and we've Damian Lillard and we got Anthony Simons, and that's what we've got. Yeah, but CJ having no Kirk, other choice is not going to make him better. <laughs> that doesn't. It, but it might. I mean, but it I might. might be at the I mean, bar. That... I might be at the bar at three o'clock in the morning, and no, uh, Gris, Grandma Griselda is over there. God bless her. She's probably hot, but. I might not have any other choice, but that doesn't mean that I, that I should be uh, establishing a long-term relationship with her. Oh, Dave. I know. That but was I bad. Think... Sorry. I should have put the chew on the other foot. You, you may think... be in the bar and uh, Mr. You know, Mr. Mustache, teenage mustache stubbly guy who's, you know, 63 years old. Okay. Okay. That doesn't Back mean he has no other choice. That doesn't mean he's the right guy. No, it doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that we have no other choice. So it's going to happen. We have no other choice. So Ant is going to get the minutes. Whether we like it or not, he's what we have. And so my hope, and this is where the optimism comes in again, my hope and my optimistic unicorn and rainbow issues here in my head are thinking that if Ant is getting those minutes, he's going to get better. He's going to improve. He's going to get that experience. It's going to help. And and let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. How much do we trust Damian Lillard? Because Dame says Ant can do it. And Dame is obviously seeing more than we are. And, and I say this as a realistic question. How much do we trust Damian Lillard and what he says? Because I feel like 
He is very clearly a leader in this franchise. He is very clearly someone who has pull and, and has a say in what happens. He very clearly is not in the background of decisions that are being made. So my question is, if Dame thought we needed somebody else and Ant couldn't do this, would we have somebody else? Is this, are we in this situation because Dame truly has seen whatever it is he's seen and believes that Ant can do this? Or is Dame saying that because he thought we were going to have CJ as well and Ant was really just going to be a third backup? It's a fair question. It brings up an interesting point that everybody's talking about the Blazers getting a min-level center to spell Nurk. I'm not sure how much that helps. A min-level point guard might not be the world's worst idea, if nothing else, to guard from further injury. But look, if Dame only wants 30 minutes a game, or you can only play him 30 or 32, that leaves 16. That's a lot for Simons, especially if Simons isn't going to blossom right away. Okay. And this is the other problem that you can mess with a person's psyche, like throwing them out there and they just get torched. So what if they, what if they went and, you know, turned left here and signed a point guard? I wouldn't object to that. But that said, to answer your other question fairly, What's the skin in the game and what's the context? Now, I don't doubt Dame and he may have all the skin. He may have meant exactly what he said in any and all circumstances. But the fact is, as you point out, that when he was asked that question, when he responded, he was not in these circumstances right now. Right. And there's probably a difference between me saying, ha ha, my boy is great. My 13 year old boy. He's awesome. He really can cook. And I believe in him. He's going to be a great cook. That's absolutely true. If I have a restaurant and the food critics coming in and my entire business depends on tonight, I am putting my 13-year-old in as a line cook, okay? Because he's just not ready yet, even though I still believe exactly what I said about him. I think that there is probably some wiggle room here in those statements that you can absolutely believe Dame, but also account for context. That said, maybe Anthony is ready. If he is, I think we're going to see it. But if he's not, the Blazers need to compensate for it. And I don't think it's as sure a thing as you do that he is. Yeah, I I honestly believe, uh, believe you, (laughs) my words tonight are just scrambling themselves. I honestly agree with you. I think that in this circumstance, we have a spot. Stotts made a comment about how he'd be sitting down with Neil Olshay and making a decision as to if they were going to go after another center. This was before CJ got hurt that this conversation was had in this this interview or whatever it was that he said this i tend to agree with you i think in this case it might be a smarter move to go after a backup point guard who can come in and give dame solid support who can be a reliable person in that position where we whether they're playing to the degree of cj maybe not but somebody who's going to come in and he's not going to turn over the ball you know, I think that that, I mean, as much as I like Ant, as much as I think that he will show improvement over time, I also see your point. And I, and I, especially what you just said about how you can, you can traumatize someone. What I don't want is for him to get down on himself mentally. So much of this is a mental game. And if he goes in there and he can't pull it off these first few games, he's going to probably struggle with that, especially being as young as he is. And so if we could bring in someone who could be a consistent backup point guard for Dame, I don't want Dame to get hurt. And Dame is the kind of player that will sacrifice himself. I don't think he thinks like I need to back off so I don't get hurt because we have a whole season left. I think he thinks we need to win this game. 
I'm going to do what it takes. And that's a great thing. That's a great thing in a point guard and a, and a player in general. It's not a great thing when half our team is injured and we don't want him injured as well. So w- what I would like to see is somebody come in that could be a good, solid backup for him where he would feel comfortable saying, okay, I'm only going to play 35 minutes in this game. And I'm going to sit back and I'm going to let this guy take over. I'm going to let Ant take over and I'm going to be rested and well. We're going to hold down the fort till CJ and Nurt come back. And when CJ and Nurt come back and everybody's healthy, we can, we can go at it. Well, and that's the thing to remember, uh, to put it in a nutshell. Get a backup center because you don't want to risk the next three weeks maybe losing a couple more games than you would have. You get a backup point guard because you don't want to risk the future of the franchise. And right. I think, obviously, the latter is more important. Yeah. That said... It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the playmaking, particularly off the bench, when when Dame isn't in there. And if they don't get a backup point guard, do you, for instance, here I'm going to get shot, but you know there's one guy who knows what to do. And I'm not saying you make him the point guard, but you can run the offense through him. And that is, dum-dum-dum, Carmelo Anthony. That he yeah. has been that number one option. He is not anymore. But he sees the plays. He he will bias toward scoring himself, sure. But he can break down an offense. He can keep you in there. If not in scoring, at least keep you in a reasonable offensive mode if you put the ball in his hands. And I think probably if they don't get another reserve point guard, putting Carmelo in with that second unit, and running the offense through him is a little safer bet than running it through Simon's every play. Yeah, I think that could be interesting as well. I, I think, again, we're, we're deep this year and we've got options, or deeper at least than we have been, and we've got some options. I, I think the next few games are going to be telling uh, as to what we need. I think we need to be in the mindset of survival mode for the next six to eight weeks with Nurk injured, with CJ injured, we need to be in survival mode. We need to win the games we can win, and we need to not get hurt in the games that we can't win. And I think if we can maintain that for the next few weeks while they're out, then when they come back, we're not going to be this beaten down, broken shell of a team. We're going to be able to pick up where we left off and continue on and make a good spot, um, get, get, you know, end up in a good spot in the playoffs. That's my hope. Now, there's some good news, though. You know who is Mr. Come Out of Nowhere and Help Out and Clean Up Mistakes? It's Ennis Cantor. And he's been doing right. actually pretty well. But, I mean, look at what he does on the floor. He's a rebounding machine, especially offensive rebounding. And you love that because it gives you a chance to redeem your mistakes. And the more the Blazers lineup is disrupted, the more mistakes that there are going to happen, the more missed shots they are going to be. Cantor is a little bit of an insurance policy there, so I think he's the right center, right time on that aspect. Defensively, he's still not good. That said, every once in a while, when you least expect it, he does come out and make the run in and disrupt the play. And you're going, oh, if only we could have 48 minutes of that. And it's not coming, but he will get out there and and give that unexpected effort every once in a while and turn a play. So I think for Nurkic going down, nothing's going to replace him unless you make a trade, but Cantor is probably the right person for the Blazers right now in that position, and I'm good with that. How do you feel about the way he's played, especially since Nurk has been out? You know, I mean, the thing about Cantor is it's so interesting because 
he was with us two years ago when Nurk was out, and, and we made it to the Western Conference Finals with Cantor when Nurk was hurt. Um, Cantor's someone who knows the guys on this team. He knows how this team functions. So to me, having him come back this year is, is comforting, especially in the midst of, of Nurk going down. I've been really impressed with how Cantor's played, and, and it kind of goes back to the example we used a few weeks ago with the pants. I think that when someone that they depend on goes out or goes down, everybody else realizes, hey, you know what, I need to step this up. And they do. And that's one thing that, I, that, I, that we have seen this team do is when the going gets tough <laughs> and we lose players or for whatever reason we're, we're having a hard time, they step up. They can do that. And I think Cantor is one of the guys, I think he did that. I think in the last couple games, we've seen him do that. We've seen him play to a higher potential than he's been playing. And so, again, anybody can have a great game. It comes down to, can you consistently have great games? And that's what we need right now. We need these guys who are playing at this higher level to continue playing at this higher level. CJ did it. There was a lot of talk about that. Can he maintain this? Can he continue this? And he did. And I truly think that we can, that can happen. We can watch these guys who are getting it, like Cantor, continue to get it and continue to play at that higher level. I'm hoping for that. You know, again, there are so many things to be frustrated about and disappointed about and and just a little bit distraught about as, as a Trailblazer fan right now. But I do not think this is throw in the towel, tank the season, give up all hope uh, at this point. I think we are in a place where we still have a lot of hope and we still have a lot of talent and a lot of potential. Look, there are a couple of coaching philosophies at play here. And this is particularly important, I think, in an era where everybody's videotaping everything and breaking it down and looking for imperfections as small as having your shoelace an inch away from where it's theoretically supposed to be, right? There is the coaching style of, for instance, a Mike Schuler or PJ Carlissimo, both of whom were very good coaches, but that this is the X's and O's, that things happen exactly as the video uh, suggests they should, and it's all diagrammed out, and you don't make mistakes. But then there's more of a Rick Adelman approach, which says this is a game of mistakes. It's a very human game, and everybody's going to make them. And the teams that succeed, yes, they will make fewer mistakes, but even more than that, the mistakes they make, they will ride out or compensate for or play through so that it's not just how many mistakes you make, it's how many mistakes in end up hamstringing you. And you may make more mistakes than another team, but ultimately you ride through your mistakes better so they have less effect. The Blazers, at least under Stotts, have always been the latter kind of team. Okay, They've never been perfect. And they've always succeeded by coming from behind when the chips are down, both in the macro sense, in a season, oh, they're done. Now, look, they went on a 16-game run. Or in a micro sense, in a game, oh, they're down 17 in the second quarter. But you better not count them out because they always come back. This will be another opportunity to show that, I think. The Blazers are going to make plenty of mistakes, but notice how many times you say, oh, they're playing awful, they're doing bad, they're doing whatever, and all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, they're either down four or up six, and you go, whoa, that's amazing. I think they can still do that. I think that that's 
in their DNA. The problem with that, of course, is that that only gets you so far. But again, as we talked about at the start of the program, we'll say the same thing as we end it. So far is where the headlights need to go right now. The the high beams are off. Can't see the road ahead. It got real curvy and real rocky. Time for fog lamps, low beams. Get through the next week. Get through the next 10 feet of terrain. And then worry about where you end up at the end when you get there. Yeah, I'll say this 20 million times in my time as a Blazer fan. Do not count this team out until they are out. You can't. You just can't. And, and we've seen that happen over and over and over and over again, where everybody kind of starts throwing in the towel and saying, well, you know, whether, like you said, whether it's a game or a series of games. But the fact of the matter is, these guys, this particular team of guys has proven over and over and over and over that they will fight to the death. They will put everything out there and fight hard until they are completely out. So if they're not counting themselves out, I don't think we should either. Well, we got about one third of the way through our planned topics, but that's the way it goes when Dia and I get going. It's not a three hour show, unfortunately, so we'll cut it off there. And that's why God made next week. We will be back with you next Thursday. If you liked it or found something inspirational or what have you in there, say something or do us a favor. Tell a friend. Uh, let people know that this is a little different and this is a lot of fun. And uh, you'll help us out and we'll enjoy bringing this to you every week. Yeah. Any last words, Dia? Yeah, I just want to add, you know, I get on Twitter a lot and look at what's being said. And I think it would be really fun, you know, the more we do this, if you guys have feedback, if you're listening, if you've got feedback, if you have an opinion, if you have something you are wondering about, tweet us, tweet at us, tweet to us. I don't know how you say that. But anyway, mm -hmm. tag at, us. At Dave Deckard, D-E-C-K-A-R-D, at Deandra Ann. Use every A and every N <laughs> like you're spelling banana. <laughs> Deandra with an A and then A-N-N, -N, no E. Yeah, and, and, and let us know because I think it's fun to have that feedback. I think it's fun to be able to kind of tie that into what we're talking about. And especially with everything that's going on, I want to know what people think. I'm curious to see where we're at. And, and you know, one of the things that I think is interesting from all of this is, is there are those of us who are optimists, who are going to be optimistic and there are those of us who are going to say fire all the staff trade all the players start over we're done and both are ways to enjoy this team to each their own but i think it's it's definitely an interesting thing so i would like to hear feedback i would like to kind of get that involved here in what we're doing so if anybody wants to to do that go for it and we will hereby dub dia optimist prime so with that <laughs> We will see you again next week. Catch us at Blazer's Edge writing and various other things for Dia Miller. I'm Dave Deckard and go Blazers. This has been Dave and Dia, a Blazer's Edge production. Find more basketball talk at blazersedge.com. Watch your step as you exit and we hope to see you again soon. Dave and Dia, what is that? A Swedish skin cream company?